Well, I'm going to read our Bible passage this morning, and we are going to be in John chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, before Luke comes and uh, shares our Easter message this morning. It's entitled The Empty Tomb. If you have your Bibles, feel free to read along with me, or the words will appear on the screen. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Madeline went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Well, let's Father God, we thank you once again for your words. We thank you, Lord God, for how your word speaks to us. We thank you, Lord God, for how you challenge us through it. And we ask that as we look at this very familiar passage once again today and we focus on what you are saying to us, that we will hear your voice afresh this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. A few years ago, I entered the Great South Run in Portsmouth. It's a 10-mile run, and if you've ever been to Portsmouth, you will know that Portsmouth is a runner's dream because the landscape is basically completely and utterly flat. It is totally different from Plymouth. You can run and run, and you feel like you're not doing anything because it's a nice, flat journey. Anyway, I was living in Honiton at the time, so I travelled down and stayed with a friend while I was in Portsmouth. And the night before this particular run, we were talking, and I said to this friend, what do you think that I should wear during the run? Now, as I think about this conversation, I don't even know why I asked this particular friend this particular question on this day, but nevertheless, I did. And his response to me was, well, you know, it's October, and you never know what the weather's going to be like in October. I mean, we could have looked at the weather forecast, but that's another matter. He said to me, I think you should wear one of those cold weather running tops. Now, I've got one of these tops, and if you do any kind of sport in winter, you'll know exactly the kind of top that I'm talking about. It's a kind of tight-fitting lycra top. It kind of sucks in all the flabby bits, and it makes you look unusually muscly. So I haven't got much of a problem putting one of these tops on, because it actually makes me look good for once. So anyway, I put this top on and I went for the run the next day and it was a sunny day 
And I was stood on the start line of this race, and as we stood there, over the tannoy, a message comes out, and it says, ladies and gentlemen, this is a highly unusual message for this time of year, but the temperature is 17 degrees, and it's only going to get hotter. So we have got a warm weather running plan out today. Please make sure that you keep cool. So I'm stood there, there's about 10,000 other people around me, it's a popular run, and I'm thinking to myself, flipping heck, I am going to boil as I go about this run. But there was nothing I could do about it at this time, so I just decided to go for it. Anyway, I set off at quite a pace. I was in probably the fittest state that I've been in for a long time doing this run, and I was running sub-eight-minute miles for the first seven miles around this run. I was going well. I was going so well, in fact, I got a little bit cocky because it got to about the eight-mile mark, and I spotted the official photographer in the crowd. So I stopped in the middle of the run and pulled a pose and then carried on running. Anyway... I was running and running and running, and it turns onto the seafront just as it comes along to the finish line. And at about 500 meters before the finish line, I suddenly felt my legs buckle from underneath me. And I suddenly was all over the place, and I was getting really, really dizzy, and I was finding it very, very hard to stay on my feet. I didn't really know what was wrong with me. But all of a sudden, out of the crowd, this man comes up, and he grabs my arm, and he says, don't worry, I'm here to help you. Now, at this point, unbeknown to me, I was suffering with severe dehydration. And you know when someone gets drunk and they become a little bit dehydrated, some people have the tendency to get a little bit aggressive at this point. Now, out of character, this is what happened to me in this moment. So this man's there, and he's holding onto my arm, saying, don't worry, I'm going to help you across the finish line. And I'm trying to push him off. And I'm going, no, no, get off me, get off me. I'm going to finish this on my own. But every step that I took, my legs were going from underneath me. And to the end, I ended up having to lean on this man in order to get across the finish line. Finally, I cross the finish line, and this man shouts, we need a wheelchair, and he puts me in this wheelchair, and I'm whisked off to the medical tent. I've got three nurses around me at this point, one just flapping a piece of paper in my face, one spraying me with cooling spray, and one trying to take my bloods to make sure that I'm okay. Fortunately, after they got my temperature down and filled me with some water and some bananas and all kind of things, I came round a little bit, and I was okay. But the thing that it taught me that day is that the wrong insight into something can often give the wrong results. And what we see happening before us in this particular passage today is a race. It's a race which is unfolding between Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, and they're racing towards the tomb where Jesus is buried. Mary had been and she told the disciples that the stone in front of the tomb where Jesus was buried had been rolled away and his body was no longer there. So when they heard this, they raced and raced with all of their might to get to the tomb and to investigate what was going on for themselves. Could it be that the man they saw murdered in such a brutal way just a few days earlier be true to his word and he's risen again? This morning, as we contemplate the events of that morning, I want us to look at three perspectives that we see in this particular passage unfold during this race and ask ourselves the question today, How do I react to the events of Easter Sunday? How do I react to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And what difference does it make to my life?
The first perspective that we see today is someone who looks on from afar. We read in John 20 and verse 5 that he, that's John, bent over and looked in at the strips of linen that were there, but did not go in. John was faster than Peter. In fact, John, if we look at this particular chapter, goes to great lengths to tell us on more than one occasion that he was faster than Peter, that he raced and he got to the tomb first. But for some reason, when he got there, he didn't go in. He was close enough to see the evidence. He could see the strips of linen which were lying where Jesus' body once was. He could see that Jesus' body was no longer there, that something clearly had happened and something was going on but he never went in at this point you know I wonder if some of us do exactly the same thing with Jesus in our own life we're close enough to see the action so to speak we're close enough to see what Jesus is doing in other people's lives and the difference that he makes in other people's lives we might even come to church or watch church online and see how people are interacting and engaging with Jesus and see the difference that he makes and yet we truly never really enter in we never give our lives to Christ we never give him our all in many respects Church, let me tell you something today. That's the worst place that you could be. Peter had found himself in this exact place just a few days earlier, hadn't he? You'll remember what happened in the run-up to this. Peter says, Jesus, even if everyone else denies you, I'll never deny you. I'll never walk away from you. And Jesus says to him, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. And what happens? Jesus is arrested And Peter follows on at a distance. He could still see Jesus. He could still hear him potentially. He could see what was going on. But there was a distance now between them. And whilst he was warming himself by a charcoal fire and Jesus was being accused, he says, I never even met him. When the testing came, because he'd never entered in, he said, I never met him. He denied him. Friends, today we have a choice. We can choose to look on at the resurrection from afar. We can see the evidence for ourselves. We can weigh up the evidence. We can even intellectually agree with the evidence that the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But unless you choose to enter in, enter into relationship with him, ultimately Christ's death and his resurrection amounts to nothing for you today. As we celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, ask yourselves once again, am I looking on from afar today or am I walking closely with Christ? You see, because he lives, he can give you life. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he can give your life meaning. Because Jesus lives, he can give you hope. But that hope is only yours if you choose to accept it. If you choose to receive it for yourself, just like we were talking about together on Friday, a gift is only as good as the person who chooses to open it. Have you opened that gift from Jesus of eternal life today? Have you entered into relationship with him? Or are you looking on from afar? The second perspective we see from the cross, uh, from this particular thing, after the cross, during the resurrection, is that someone entered into the tomb but had doubts. Verses 6 to 7 tell us this. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, there it is again, he came second, 
arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen laying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. The same account, if we were to look at this from Luke's gospel, tells us this. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what on earth had happened. Peter may have lost the race to the tomb, but he was the one who runs straight inside. And he saw the evidence up close and personal. He saw everything really, really close. He knew what was happening, and yet he could not come to terms with what was happening. He looked at the evidence, and he has doubts about what is going on. You know, I believe that there are probably many of us who fall into this category today. You have said yes to Jesus. You know him. You have a relationship with him. But if you're honest, you're struggling. You can't quite get your head maybe around what is going on. Life has knocked you. Life has thrown you curveballs. And you know what you believe is true. But something for you at the moment just doesn't quite seem to be adding up. It's easy to preach, isn't it? Things like Jesus doesn't promise to always give us an easy life. But when we're in the center of it, when we hear stories like what Abu shared with us today, it seems so incredibly difficult. What I want you to hear today is you don't have to make sense of everything in order to keep going. You don't have to make sense of everything in order to have a relationship with Christ. You know, I'm 36 years old and I've faced some cruel moments in my life. I lost my mum at 22. By the age of 34, both my biological parents had died. Three weeks before I started here at Hope Baptist Church, my biological father died. My stepdad chose to disown me because of my faith. We lost a, a baby. Life hasn't always been bad, so don't hear that from me this morning. I've been incredibly blessed as a person in so many ways, but there have certainly been times in my life where I've been left asking the question, God, what are you doing right now? And if we're all honest, in one way or another, we've all faced those thoughts, those feelings, and those emotions, particularly in this season where we find ourselves. But generally, in my experience, it's been when life has been at its toughest. If I have allowed him to, God has been at his closest. The final insight I believe we see from our passage today is that seeing becomes believing. We read in John 20 verses 8 to 9 these words, Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. John, who got to the tomb first but didn't initially go in, finally goes inside. And when he does, he's presented with the same evidence that Peter is presented with, and he believes. Earlier that morning, some women had been at the tomb. And we read that they had this amazing encounter with the angel there at the tomb who told them that Jesus was no longer dead, but he was alive. And we read these words in Luke 24, verses 5 to 7. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. These women went back to the disciples and they told them everything that they had seen. And that's the moment that Peter and John, they ran to the tomb for themselves. And let's read those verses again in in John 28 and 9. But notice the side note, which is in the text here. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. And then we see in our Bibles in brackets these words. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. John entered the tomb. He didn't fully understand what was in front of him that day. He hadn't been able to fully grasp the meaning and the significance that Jesus had to die and that Jesus would rise from the dead because ultimately they only saw really what was partial at this time. And yet even though he didn't fully comprehend it, he still believed. Today, church, This Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, what we see from our passage today are three different insights here to the resurrection and the events of that day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most important event in human history. Because he lives, death is defeated. The price for our sin has been paid in full. We can know freedom and eternal life. The question is, What will you do with the evidence which is in front of you? Today, will you carry on looking on from afar? You see the evidence which is in front of you, but you're not really prepared to do anything with it. The fact of the matter is, if you don't receive the gift for yourself, it ultimately will mean nothing. The evidence of Jesus' death and his resurrection demands a response. Jesus can and Jesus will change your life. But unless you choose to follow him, he can't change your life. Today, you can enter in, but you'll allow your doubts to hinder your walk with Christ. And you'll never really experience true freedom and the true gift that Jesus offers because you'll worry where it might lead you. Or today, you can choose to enter in Follow with your whole heart, with your whole mind, and with your whole being. Even though you've still got questions, and you still don't fully understand, you choose to embrace Jesus for who he is, and allow him to make a difference in your life. I've been a Christian for over 20 years now. For some who are watching this and with us, that makes me a baby Christian still in many respects. I've been in Christian ministry now for probably at least... 15 years. I've been to theological college. My role is pastor. And if I'm honest, I still have questions. I still have doubts at times. I still don't fully understand. And I'm still left asking God, why has this happened? But you know, God is far beyond our thoughts and understanding. God is far beyond anything that we can ever get our tiny minds around. And the beautiful thing is, when we learn to trust God, despite our doubts and despite our questions, He never lets us down. Where are you at today? Whether you're a Christian today or not, this Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, as we once again focus on the earth-shattering events of that day, 
what will your response be to King Jesus? I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And if you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able. And we're going to respond to Jesus together today. If you're watching this and you're not a Christian, but you want to start a journey with Jesus in a moment, we're going to pray together. And we're going to give you the opportunity to start that journey with him. But today, wherever you're at, whether you would class yourself as a Christian or not, let's take this opportunity to once again draw close to him. I'm going to pray, and if you're comfortable in doing this, I'm going to invite you just to put your hands out in front of you. You can do this at home or in the room, because when you receive a gift, you have to put your hands out in order to claim it. And today, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you today for the free gift of salvation. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done which have offended you, a holy God. I thank you, King Jesus. You came, you lived, you died a death on a cross, and you rose again. Today, I choose to receive the free gift of eternal life. Come into my life and make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord God, today, for the rest of us, for those who already profess a faith in Jesus, may we once again look at the events of the resurrection and draw close to you again. In a year which has felt so tumultuous, in a year which has been very much upside down, in a year where we've just simply not been able to gather. Help us gain a heavenly perspective today, we pray, as we respond to you in song. In Jesus' name, amen.